there is such starvation and death in this world, a bountiful world where all Earth's resources are manifold and can easily support uh, humanity if we learn to share. Everything else has been tried and the world is not doing well, even though we've tried everything. So perhaps we need a new way and that way is the principle of sharing. And that was a foretaste of this episode of the Planetary Makeover Show, featuring Betsy Whitfield, speaking on the Aquarian plan for a new civilization by heartfelt sharing of the global resources. In response to the growing voices of an awakening humanity, we bring you evidence that divine help is at hand to work with us to create a hopeful future that works for everyone. Hello everyone. We're delighted you're joining us today for this intriguing episode. And our guest is Betsy Whitfield, who is a wife, mother, gardener, blogger, has a philosophy degree, and is a student of the Ageless Wisdom Teaching, an ancient body of knowledge that underlies our science, religion, philosophy, even part of our culture today. And she's so well acquainted with it that she lectures on it as well. In fact, she calls it the theme of her life. Thank you for agreeing to join us today, Betsy. I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. Well, um, let me get right to it. What's convinced you that there is this great spiritual leader, this world teacher, as it were, who is named Maitreya, that is out in the world, someone whom earthlings, both religious and non-religious, have been expecting and who fulfills their expectations. And also along that theme, you can tell us a little bit about some of the miraculous happenings that have occurred to you that are directly connected to this emergence. And in particular, I was astounded by your story of the book falling on you at the bookstore, a book which contained a lot of knowledge that informed you about this subject. Go ahead and, and give us your take on that. Well, I, I was uh, just kind of going along running carpools, um, as most mothers do with young children. And uh, I had been studying Alice Bailey's materials. As she, and uh, there was a book that DK gave through Alice Bailey called The Reappearance of the Christ. And when I was reading that book, I was uh, at first astounded <laughs> that that there could be such a concept as the return of the Christ. I, I was raised as a Catholic, and uh, of course, the return of Christ has always been part of the liturgy, uh, but I never really considered it in a truly philosophical way. Uh, uh, but nevertheless, I had read Alice Bailey's books, and I also spent time at the New Age bookstores in between carpool runs. 
uh, I was very interested in the new age uh, that was blossoming at that time. This would have been in the early 80s. And as I was walking down the uh, one of the aisles at the store, this red book just fell out of the of the shelf. And I, <laughs> I looked at it. And I thought, oh, my gosh, it, its title is The Reappearance of the Christ and the Masters of Wisdom. And it was by a man called Benjamin Krem. So I started reading it and the immediacy of Krem's information that the Christ, uh, the world teacher, whose personal name is Maitreya, has in fact returned to the everyday world and was um, interested in uh, coming forward to help humanity through what, what in the book it was discussed, the new age of Aquarius. And I thought to myself as I was reading, you know, this is really very interesting. Um, I had uh, read a lot of philosophy in college, and uh, it seemed to me that mankind or the thinkers of the world were always looking for something higher, some direction, some way to go. And so um, I guess my natural inclination was to look at look at these sorts of ideas but I never I never in my life thought that this could actually be the case and I thought I would love to follow up on this but I am really skeptical there's nothing in my environment here that would even uh, even pretend to support such an idea But at the same time, I was so very interested that I read in the back of the book that Benjamin Krem was coming to America to have a talk and that there was a a group of people in Los Angeles, then called Tara Center, who were arranging his, um, his talks there. And I thought, well, I'm going to have a, a chance to go and, and listen to Mr. Krem and see if in researching, I could find out if this is really true. Uh, like I say, I was very intrigued, but a little bit skeptical, needless to say. Uh, So then I contacted a sister of mine who lived in L.A. at the time, and she agreed that she would drive up to Santa Monica uh, with me, and we would see about this lecture by Benjamin Krem. And as I announced this plan to my husband, he stood up at the table and he said, but what about the children? I I think he was so taken aback by the whole idea, I probably should have prepared him better. Nevertheless, he graciously uh, agreed that it would be a good thing for me to go. So my sister and I uh, went to a church called St. Monica's by the Sea. Sorry, not St. Michael's by the Sea uh, at Benjamin Krem's lecture. And I should return to what I really uh, motivated me to go was a dream that I had uh, at, uh, earlier in that year. I was recording dreams, as many of us were back in the 70s and the 80s, and 
in that dream, a very tall man in a white robe came to me and said, would you do the heart to heart for your village? And I don't remember what I said, but obviously I must have said, sure. And it was after that dream, which I wrote in my dream book, that I felt really physically compelled to research this idea that Mr. Krebb was putting forth. So my sister and I arrived at the church and sat in the middle of the audience, uh, which, which was huge. The church was packed. There was no music, nothing. Uh, and then Mr. Krem walked up to the, the dais at the front of the church and sat down in a chair and started looking eye to eye to every person in the audience. And so we sat there and sat there and pretty soon um, his eyes came to my row and he came down the row and I don't remember what happened then, but the next thing I knew, I was weeping, I was crying, tears were running down my cheeks, but my cheeks were hurting from, from laughing so hard, from smiling and laughing, it was a joyous occasion. And uh, the light around Mr. Krem's head turned into the face of the man in my dreams. I was astounded. I, I was beside myself, but the light was so bright I had to move my head behind the woman in front of me in order to rest one eye. It seemed to go on for a very long time. And then I thought, I'm, this is enough. I, <laughs> I'm getting embarrassed because it seemed to go on for so long. And as soon as I thought that, the face, which Mr. Krem uh, had told us it was Maitreya, obviously, nodded, Maitreya nodded to me, and the experience ended. And Krem went down the row and continued through the whole audience. For me, that was my proof, if you will, that what I had been reading, what I had been wondering about, and the limb that I was willing to go out on was a good thing and was true. And so that started what was really the beginning of a whole life experience around this information uh, that is for me the purpose of my life now. That is truly amazing and inspiring, I'm sure, Betsy, to a lot of our listeners. And you mentioned Benjamin Krem that artist, esoterist, and author of some 16 books, one of whom you describe, he's also the editor of Share International Magazine, which since 1982 has published enlightening articles about spiritual forces, hopeful trends, and events that are transforming humanity and the world, politically, socially, economically, environmentally, in a myriad of ways. And SI Magazine also has a section that's devoted to documenting encounters between the readers, 
who write these letters to the editor and the masters of wisdom, whether that be Maitreya, the master Jesus, or um, another master. And I was hoping you could tell us about a few of those and that if you had written in yourself. Yes, I've written on, in a few times. Uh, this letter to the editor section of Share International Magazine is one of the great joys of opening <clears throat> the, <clears throat> the magazine every month where readers write in and say, usually they've had an experience, they've met a person, uh, could be a man, could be a woman, who has touched them in a way they cannot shake the experience and uh, usually has something to say to them that only uh, maybe a close family member might know or maybe no one knows about them, but speaks to an issue or a problem that the person has and makes them feel comforted. Uh, and so Benjamin Krem's master would then uh, validate, yes, this was either Maitreya or the master Jesus. And they work together the, uh, as a couple, you might say. Sometimes they appear to a person together or separately. And uh, the master Jesus is a disciple of Maitreya. Maitreya is the world teacher, the head of our spiritual hierarchy. And so uh, uh, is the architect of the plan as it will be manifesting through humanity. But in these letters, people are uh, validated that their experiences are of either the Master Jesus or Maitreya, as I say. <clears throat> I've had a couple of those myself. Uh, one of them was uh, I was caregiver to my mother for years. She had broken her foot, and I took her to the hospital, uh, to a doctor's office, to have a cast put on her. And as we uh, were leaving, I put her in the, uh, the foyer of the building, which is at the top of a short hill, but, uh, but a really in a, a, maybe a 45 degree angle hill, and went to get the car out of the garage. And as I swung around to pick her up, I saw a woman reaching for my mother's uh, wheelchair, which was starting to barrel down a hill. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I stopped the car and the woman brought my mother and her chair to the car. And I was amazed. This woman was very slight. She had on a crisp white shirt that hung over tailored black pants and ballet slippers and she had on a beautiful turban it was a beautiful color blue and she had the most heavenly lips which spoke to me because I had a fifth grade teacher whose lips I used to watch every day because they were so full and perfectly painted and they always matched her fingernails so here was this woman with these lips that 
was very slight and yet had managed to grab my mother's wheelchair, which was probably pulling six Gs down the hill and bring her back to safety. So I, I grabbed her hand and thanked her so, so much, put my mother in the car and I had to make a circle around to leave this building. And as I looked back, the woman was hopping up and down, waving and blowing kisses at me. And I, I thought, well, okay. So I started blowing kisses back and drove off. And it occurred to me later, I kept thinking about who was this woman? And it dawned on me, could it be Maitreya? So I rode in and sure enough, it was Maitreya who'd saved my mother from barreling down the hill in her purple cast in her wheelchair. It was, it was a marvelous validation for me. So these letters are very valuable, not only to the people that write them in, but then to the people who read them. Uh, and people all over the world write these letters, not just, certainly not just in America, not just in England, uh, but all over the world. Uh, and there was a woman here in my town in Dallas who was, <coughs> or still is, the wife of a, a rabbi at one of the large temples here in Dallas who was having some very severe surgery uh, on his GI tract. And the woman was very concerned. <clears throat> she was sitting in the waiting room for the surgical unit and a man walked in. She tells this story, it, it was in the paper. She tells this story that a man walked in, he was dressed head to toe in black leather, if you can imagine. He was elegant, slender, tall. He sat down beside her and comforted her and told her how to heal her husband. And her husband went home and did heal. She did heal him and she opened a healing center, actually, um, a very informal one, just her local friends. But this was a uh, validated by Benjamin Krem's master to have been the master Jesus. So there are these wonderful, wonderful experiences. Uh, now that uh, Mr. Krem has passed, there are still letters that were coming in years ago that they just didn't have the space to print. So uh, they are now printing, publishing those letters with uh, the master's validation. That is miraculous and in a practical way too. <laughs> really? we, noticed, we noticed that the masters aren't performing, you know, flashy miracles. Mm. One, they saved your mother. And two, they saved this woman's husband using her as a conduit. Just incredible. Well, um, thanks for that, Betsy. And I was thinking now, moving from the personal to the universal in world affairs, with so many crises confronting us on all sides, how can we maintain a sort of balance of our own 
how do we look at these problems um, deep, deeply and simultaneously in a hopeful way and, in, and hold on to the notion that meaningful transformation is in fact possible? I think it's very good for people to, first of all, remain calm. And if they happen to be uh, students of the esoteric wisdom, which, as as you mentioned early on, uh, was a uh, category of thinking, is a category of material that places mankind in a very special position vis-a-vis the material world and the spiritual world. And contrary to what many unfortunately think, we are not our bodies, we're not our emotions, we are not even our ideas, but something even greater than that. We are where spirit and matter meet. One of the ways in which Maitreya uh, teaches people in these meetings that he has with people is that it shows you there is much more to your life than you would even imagine. So people can think about themselves as souls in incarnation. And uh, in the Bible, I think it's Luke 17, 21, it says the kingdom of God is within you. And so it is true. That is your soul, that divinity within. So once you realize that you are more than your body, your emotions, your ideas, you can step back from events in your life and learn to become an observer of the events. Uh, If you can do meditation, that is the royal road to contacting your soul. And uh, once you have that perspective, or even if it's just for a few seconds at a time, uh, you can begin to see that there is not just only one way to live in terms of the physical world, that all people, all people on the planet have this divinity within them. Everyone is a god. We are gods in, in kindergarten, really. And if you think about it that way, you can look at world events and you can see that we are all very, very young here. We uh, build our towers, our building blocks, and someone always comes and tries to knock them down. And uh, uh, you can see that we're learning through trial and error, ultimately awakening to the fact that we are souls in incarnation. Then you have, for people who do some reading, the Buddha who taught the middle way. He taught that the center of all suffering comes from your desires. And once you become an observer in your life and think of yourself as a soul in incarnation, your desires gradually fade away and therefore your suffering reduces and hopefully eventually at some time in the future the suffering will stop so when we look at 
this time in the history of the world, which is the time of tremendous transformation, which, which is terrifying for so many people who don't understand this change from the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius. We are in transition, and that transmission transition is frightening for people because so many people feel that they will lose everything they have because they have no idea what the future can be or that we have this help from the masters and their his disciples and so it's very important i think for people to take this perspective into consideration and develop a a way to be an observer in life in all things that people are the same essentially everywhere and that we are on our way on a path to mastery ourselves we are learning every day one thing that i find very useful especially if people are having a very difficult time uh, in their lives, is that each lifetime is not only a test, but a learning period. And that the tougher the lifetime is, the more growth occurs for the person. And sometimes that is a comfort to people who seem to not be able to get a break, they would say. Hmm. Um, all of these tools that you've given us, all of which seem very effective, are something that it appears in order to survive, we'll all need to adapt in some form or another. So how do we avoid, Betsy, this um, trap of uh, extremism, whether trying to prevent change or trying to wipe out all of the past in the name of change. Um, how do we adapt this middle way, as it were, to maintain a sense of balance in the world and yet remain motivated to make real change happen in the world? I know Krishnamurti, Jiddu Krishnamurti, the teacher from India, had talked about achieving a, quote, clarity of perception, unquote, so that we could be agents of real and positive change in the world. How can we achieve this, these goals? And more to the point, who are we really? Well, yes, uh, the clarity of perception comes, uh, as I understand it, with stepping back from events in the world or events in your life and detaching from your own emotional reaction to those events or those people even. And once you realize you are a soul in incarnation, that the soul is an observer in life and is a place of, of real peace, I think, uh, then people can look at look at their lives, look at life in general, and 
be able to sit lightly in the saddle as Benjamin Crumb used to uh, recommend. Uh, the clarity of perception then will come because you are not attached to one particular uh, view or any other particular view. And yet you realize that this is a uh, this is an age in which the process of right human relationships will, when carried out uh, effectively, which is the way Maitreya teaches us, when you can use that process, you realize that it is all going to work out just fine. And I think if people would realize it takes a little time, that in America, we are very politically savvy and we would like things to happen overnight and we would like to elect someone who will make it happen overnight and make us happy. And of course, that is unrealistic. Uh, all the people involved in any process, according to the Aquarian way, uh, that process is consensus, not competition, not my way or the highway, but consensus where everyone has an input and everyone gets some of what he wants. Everyone gets what they need, but not everyone gets what they want. So to my way of thinking, it is, uh, it is time to take a deep breath to relax, to realize we are uh, in this process of creating a new civilization, really, and uh, that the energies of Aquarius, which inspire brotherhood and synthesis, which are saturating the planet now, we can't stop them, we can't even slow them down, but in order to be able to work with these energies, we must stop and look at the world and consider the idea of consensus as the process of any uh, of any idea, manifestation of any idea. One of the amazing statements that Maitreya made when he first gave uh, his 140 messages through Benjamin Crumb, which are fragments of his teachings, was that he said he comes quickly, more quickly than we expect, because there is such starvation and death in this world, a bountiful world where all Earth's resources are manifold and can easily support uh, humanity if we learn to share. But he says, the, particularly in Africa, people are starving, children are starving without a chance at life, while in the developed countries we have way more than we could possibly need. And uh, that imbalance, he says, is a major danger for humanity as a whole, especially since we have the kind of weaponry uh, that will allow us to destroy all life streams on this planet, which of course includes we ourselves. 
So he is here to teach us how to live together as true men, as he says, live together in peace. And so he's even created a blueprint by which humanity can share Earth's natural resources, the technologies, and the ways of doing things, share across all nations to create a pool of resources that any nation in need can dip into and use. It's a simple but amazingly uh, broad plan. But first, he says, we have to accept the principle of sharing. Yes, that is really basic to his teaching. He've said, I'm quoting him correctly, sharing is divine. When you share, you recognize your brethren in yourself, and you recognize God in your brethren. And I know speaking to the distribution you were talking about of the world's resources, the equitable distribution, it was suggested that this would be a department at the United Nations and that government and country participation would be voluntary. So this isn't something compulsory. That's right. Again, he is is adamant, if you can use that word, that people themselves must be ready to share uh, and that hopefully uh, people will learn what his idea of sharing really is, that it is not, um, and I know Benjamin Cram often described in his interviews, uh, uh, the interviewer would say, well, that sounds like communism to me. And he would say, no, it's pure Christianity. And in the broadest sense, it means that humanity sees people as one family. And the oneness of humanity is something that I've read that, he, that Maitreya emphasizes. Uh, because of this divinity within, we are all subjectively one, one, members of one family. And in a family, you share what comes into the family to meet the family's needs. So it's very simple. Uh, it, it is uh, a blueprint and a principle of sharing that is apparently very controversial out in the business world uh, and misunderstood. And so one of the major functions of those of us who talk to the public about this is to try and uh, present the idea of sharing in its proper form, that it is not something that's dictated by any government or required, but it's a, it is something that takes time. And so as we have uh, more trouble in this world, as there are more wars, as, as there are more political haggles, and even as our environment degrades because of how we've misused resources, really, uh, 
people are apt to consider this information and this perspective as a way forward. And indeed, as Maitreya said, everything else has been tried and the world is not doing well, even though we've tried everything. So perhaps we need a new way and that way is the principle of sharing. Indeed. And it would appear that desperation tends to open men's minds and those who have refused to or been unable to understand this principle of sharing may become more open to it. I know you talked about the family of man and that I believe the masters have said that it's long overdue through Ben that mankind recognize everyone as family. Yeah. And that this brings up the issue too of immigration and that this is a perfect opportunity for mankind to demonstrate their grasp of that concept that all of mankind is one family. We're all brethren. So look into the eyes of your brethren and to see yourself and also to employ the law of return of reincarnation and realize that we already probably have been every color under the sun, every nationality and creed and ethnicity. And so it's really ourselves that in a sense we are assisting. Yeah. And you're right too, that mankind is impatient, wants things to happen right away. So when people try to rationalize the, the world's state of affairs and are cynical or complacent or would say, oh, let's just leave it to the governments. What's your response? Well, imposition is uh, undivine. It is not proper that anything as Maitreya says, will be imposed. Nothing will be imposed. Mankind's free will is sacrosanct, which is why he cannot just come in and say, I'm going to fix all this for you, and this is what you're going to do. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. We ourselves have to, as you say, look at the world, look at what we've become, uh, how how spiritual alienation is literally tearing people apart. We have to then look for a better way. And so when people hear this information and we can get it widely distributed, whether it's uh, someone talking or someone finally reading a book or reading the magazine, the Share International magazine, uh, that people in their hearts will say, aha, here's something. If we could just get everyone in the world to understand this. And of course, that's really the job. It's a huge job. But the masters, through their work, they work behind the scenes now, uh, uh, explaining these ideals, the ideal of freedom, the ideal of 
of sufficiency for all peoples, an end to poverty and starvation and death, an end to war in particular. As they, uh, and they do, they talk to high level diplomats and, and presidents. And to the extent that any of these people are open, working behind the scenes, they can guide the decisions that are made. At our level, just everyday people in the world, we all live in neighborhoods, we have friends, and we can carefully, uh, by our example, talking heart to heart, which is what Maitreyam recommends, we can share this information in a gentle, appropriate way, just as a matter of course, uh, so that people will have an idea <clears throat> that there is a plan for humanity and that this is a severe period of test, but that if we will just listen, we will make it through this period. Now, when enough people are uh, open to this, uh, buying in at some level, uh, Maitreya has a plan to appear to all the people in the world at the same time and presenting his credentials, so to speak. And then we'll begin his public uh, work, he and his disciples, the Masters of Wisdom, including the Master Jesus, who is in charge of the churches worldwide. Uh, Master Jesus is already working uh, to shake loose the dogmas that have hindered the church's work and to restore the churches to their true uh, uh, purpose, which is to teach and to heal. So there, these plans are well underway. The plans for the blueprint for sharing are existing in the world. All the, uh, the industrialists, the, uh, the political people who are open to this have this plan in their minds. It is simply a question of the will of people. And so at our level, <clears throat> we can work to suggest the, the idea of sharing uh, as a way to, for example, address homelessness in our cities, which is something that the politicians, at least where I live, have not even had a clue how to address. And the sharing is a part of that solution, which we can talk about. Uh, there are so many obvious uh, evidences of the need for sharing just in our own cities that if we can just talk about this and present these ideas, that it softens people's uh, thinking and rather than responding to events uh, in our country with fear, loathing, and another piece of legislation which does no good, people can say, look, we've got to change our ways. There's a reason why we have these, these uh, murders, these, these senseless and awful murders. 
and it's happening more frequently. Actually, it's happening all over the world, but we see it here. So people, rather than looking for government solutions, which work for about two weeks, and then there's nothing, uh, the chaos continues. Uh, it's very important, I think, to try to present this more spiritual approach to the problems. And you brought up a a problem that is quite germane in America and has been for some time, and that is uh, the violence. And um, this had been addressed by Benjamin Cram and his master. And I think because people wrote into probably both Share International and they had asked during his lectures and it was later published in his books. And he said that among other things, that there was the myth of the gun, as he put it, in America since its founding, the idea that we're all, we all have the right to bear arms. Mm -hmm. And that also in America, we have this pervasive sense of competition and retribution, both cutthroat, and couple that with a ready, a ready supply of guns and some mentally unstable people. And what he had said was, in those cases, people will go for the gun. Even little children, they're raised up in this atmosphere of cutthroat competition, like the law of the jungle, which you should have left behind. Mankind should have left behind millions of years ago. And um, the, the um, idea of retribution, retribution and competition in America. And that is why the child will get the parent's gun after he's been offended or insulted or attacked and go to the school and shoot as many as he can because of this pervasive sense of alienation that America is suffering from. Mm -hmm. And until we, of course, limit the supply of guns and have better legislation and abandon this notion of both retribution and cutthroat competition, we're going to have these problems in America. But I think he had also said that the world is waiting for America to express the soul aspect of its personality. And through suffering, this would happen that he had said there's nothing like a little suffering to make people more compassionate. Mm -hmm. And the suffering that America is undergoing will open its heart both to itself, the country, and to the world. Not unlike we did after World War II with the Marshall Plan, which mm -hmm. I believe he had said was um, divinely inspired. So I'm wondering, too, what kind of assistance can humanity expect from the spiritual hierarchy and how can we invoke that assistance? I'm not sure uh, how we can inv invoke that assistance other than to put out there this perspective, these facts, these personal experiences that, uh, that we've had uh, in ways that do not uh, provoke a, res a negative response. Pisces is the age that has passed. 
the ideas, uh, the energies of Pisces have created the ideals of freedom, for example, liberty, uh, the individualism that we see. But that was 2,500 years or so of saturation. And at the end of the age of Pisces, which has now passed, you have a civilization based on, for me, a highly individualized concept of, of man. And that people each have different ideals, which they adhere to at any cost. And so the mantra, my way or the highway, is at the root of what we are experiencing now. And that mantra is unexpressed, and yet it is saturated. The thinking, it is at the heart of our uh, our structures, our social, political, economic, religious structures. Competition is involved in that way of thinking. And so we still have a great deal of the population that has grown up with that way of thinking and reacts uh, and, of course, uh, makes money on that way of thinking. The, the individual, as Ben once said, he said, everyone in America thinks they're on television all the time thinks they're in a movie all the time. They're all acting out this, this uh, way of being, which is unreal. So it will take time and the process, the process, the process of right human relationships is something that can only come with great pain and suffering, which is what we're experiencing now. I, I have no doubt that this will pass and people will be uh, compassionate, will understand the oneness of humanity. The only question is, how long will it take? Indeed. And as a result of studying the ageless wisdom teaching um, for so long and in such depth, where do you see humanity going and what do you see them achieving? And how long do you think all this will take? I don't know how long it will take. I have thought uh, over these 40 years that I've been involved in this, that we would come to a perfect time. Maitreya would come forward and uh, humanity looks like it's ready. And yet, each of those periods have passed and humanity goes back to its usual uh, way of doing business. We've had, uh, we've had huge economic hardships uh, before and we uh, always just try to get back to what we call normal, which has created the tremendous gap between the wealthy and the very poor not even very poor, totally homeless population, which is growing in all the cities and uh, creating tremendous guilt in the rest of the population, but no one seems to be able to come up with a response. I think this is a period of extreme ferment. Uh, people say they cannot watch the news. I've given up watching the news, they say, because it's just too awful. And yet, 
events seem to creep into their lives anyway, whether it's inflation or the high cost of gasoline or the, the, uh, the, the tremendous mass murders that we've been seeing. Uh, and you can't help but be affected by that. So if it's true that people must come to an abyss before they come to their senses, be willing to accept another way, uh, then I think humanity uh, will will go that far. But as Ben said, we will approach the edge of the abyss, but will not go in. And and that is because Maitreya, the masters are here. There are people, not just us in Share International, people all over the world who are working for the same ends as we work for just in different ways. Uh, so I don't know how long it will take, but if you're keeping a journal, it might be a good time to start uh, with this process of the reappearance of the Christ, the masters of wisdom and the world situation as it exists. Visit us on Facebook at hashtag planetary makeover. This show has been a production of planetarymakeover.org. At our website, we have a link to our bi-weekly live show at 5 p.m. Mondays Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. At our website, we also have a link to our archives and a selection of our shows. For more background info, visit www.planetarymakeover.org shareinternationalwest.org That's shareinternational-west.org For related books and DVDs and CDs by Benjamin Krem on the emergence of Maitreya, the world teacher, please go to share-ecart.com That's share-ecart.com We also invite you to watch another show that we really love entitled What in the World is Happening? And that show, which you don't want to miss, is produced by Share International Canada. And it airs every second Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time. The link to check it out is share-international.ca or visit the Share International Canada Facebook page.